Romans 13, <clears throat> verses 11 <clears throat> through 14. All right. Lord, help us. Verse 11. Besides this, you know the time that this hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual morality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Father, we ask you for your help this morning. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide through this passage. We pray uh, that you would, as, as last week, stir up our hearts to love one another well. And Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to see the urgency of our sanctification, the imminent return of your Son. Father, show us how to put off the old flesh and to put on Christ-like qualities. Father, we ask you to guide us. We ask you to meet every need. Father, we ask for help. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is connected with the passage that we looked at last week. You'll notice in verse 11 that the first couple words are besides this. And so it's really a, a continuation of, of what he just told us. So in, in, a, in a real way, he's still pressing on us this love one another, what you owe to everybody. Remember last week, what you, you, you should owe no one except to love one another. In other words, you always have a debt. It's always on your plate. It's, it's always God's will for you to love the people around you, okay? We, we should always be turning away from our relentless inclination to take care of ourselves. That, that's hardwired into us. We all already do that. We already look out for ourselves. We already take care of ourselves. We already think of ourselves. And so, so Paul is pressing on us that, that, that you need to turn away from that and, and, and start investing in and seeking the good of others. And now in verse 11, he connects it with this urgency of time, okay? So verse 11 says, besides this, you know the time, all right? He says, you already know. You already know what time period, what season, what, what urgency awaits you because of Christ coming back. And, and then he says in verse 11, he says, it's time for you to wake up. It's time for you to wake up from sleep. When you're sleeping, you're inactive, you're not doing anything, you're not accomplishing anything, uh, you're not aware of what's going on, you're not alert to the things happening. And Paul uses that as a metaphor to say that there are people who are joined to Jesus Christ and, and they're, they're adopted into the family of God, they're saved, but it's like they're asleep. It's like, it's like they're, they're, they're unconscious to the realities around them and the urgency of the day. And so Paul says, look, it is time for you to wake up. A few years ago, there was a, a tornado that came through our town. You guys remember that? And it was coming northeast through uh, Jeff and Teresa's neighborhood. And then it was coming across the, the movie theater parking lot. And then it was headed toward the Bank 7 building. And that, that's about two or three, four blocks from our house. And, and during that time, 
I was fast asleep, okay? I mean, I was out. I'd gone to bed about five minutes before, and it takes me 2.3 seconds to go to sleep. And so, I mean, I was just out, okay? And I, and I am awakened to my wife yelling at me, all right? And she's yelling, you know, Jason, get the kids, get the kids, you know? And she's, you know, I don't even know what's going on. I just, I just obeyed, you know? And I got the kids, and, and we got them downstairs, and we got in everything. And by this time, it was already past. If it had actually come through our neighborhood, it, it, we would have we would have faced a tornado. I don't know what would have happened, but but I certainly was no help because I was fast asleep. Okay, I needed to wake up. And, and Paul is giving us a similar analogy in that he's saying it's time to wake up. Listen, if you're a born again believer, if if, if Christ is in you, then you got to realize the urgency of the time. And so everything Paul's been commanding us in these practical chapters about loving one another well and 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 all that we saw in in chapter twelve about forgiveness and and about uh, obeying authorities and submitting and all of that. He's saying now he's putting this exclamation mark behind it all, saying, look, you need, to, you need to get ready. You need to wake up. You need to realize the time that it is. Now, what time is it? Well, look at verse 11. It says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Now, that's, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? Now, what, what you realize here is that Paul is not talking about conversion, okay? Because conversion would be when we first believed, right? So there was a period in your, in your life where, if you're a Christian here this morning anyway, where, where you came to realize who God was, you came to realize that everything that you had been living for was, was wasted, and you, you realized well, who Christ is, what he'd done for you, and you turn from your sin, you put your faith in him, okay? That is the moment of your conversion. And now he, he's talking to people who've been a Christian for a while, and he's like, look, man, don't you realize that, that salvation is nearer now than when you first believed? In other words, it's coming, okay? And so what he means by salvation is not your conversion. What he means by salvation is the ultimate final salvation in which we will see the Lord Jesus Christ and will be transformed to be like him. First John tells us that when he comes, we'll see him and we'll be made like him. Okay. See, seeing Jesus is a transforming thing. That, that's what happens when you're converted. Actually, when you're converted, you finally, your eyes get open to see who he really is and, and, and you're changed. Like your, your priorities change and what you love changes and how you feel about sin changes and, and, and all of that changes. Okay. But when Jesus comes back, we'll see him in all all of his glory and will be completely transformed and, and the old sinful flesh will be cast away and, and will be given resurrection bodies to live in the new heavens and the new earth forever and ever. In other words, Paul sees that we were saved, we are now being saved and our full salvation is yet to come. You can think of it this way, all right, if you're a believer here today, I mean, you've been given all the riches of Christ and salvation, everything we've been talking about in Romans, but there is more to come, all right? That's the good news of today is there's more coming. I mean, so much has already happened to you. If you're a Christian here today, the present reality is you are forgiven of your sins, right? You're indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. You are justified before an almighty God. You're adopted into God's family. All those are present realities, but Paul is saying there is more coming. The full experience of our salvation, the culmination of everything God has for us in Christ, the ushering in of his heavenly kingdom, right? All that we see is going to be, is going to be burned up. It's, it's going to be cast away. And there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, a new kingdom. His kingdom's coming, a new world in which all that is wrong in this world will be made right. 
You'll have new resurrection bodies that are not afflicted with sin. They're not inclined toward wickedness. No more sinful flesh keeping us from the full enjoyment of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, don't you realize you're closer to that day now than where you were when you first believed. And he says, the day is at hand, all right? It's almost a picture of waking up and today is that day, all right? The day's at hand. Do you, do you see the imagery there, right? We, we know that our, our oldest daughter, Hannah, is coming back from England. We haven't seen her in a year. Uh, all of a sudden for Emma. Emma, Emma saw her in January, but the rest of us haven't seen her in a year. And we miss her, and we look forward to her return, and we talk about it, and we make plans for it. But there's going to come a day here very soon, September 7th, when it, the day will be at hand. Like, literally, we'll wake up, and, and it'll be the day. And there'll be no sleeping in that day. No, no, no. The house got to be cleaned. A place for her to stay and sleep needs to be prepared. The kid's school's got to be contacted. The Honda needs fuel. Somebody's got to put the topper on the top of it. You know, we got to load movies in the car. Somebody cannot forget the movie Cars. If somebody forgets the movie Cars, we'll have to stop in Yukon and, and buy it, okay? Because we can't get anywhere very far without cars, all right, for, for our little guy. We got to find a route to Dallas with some fun stops along the way. We're going to take all day to get there. We got a price line, a motel, flight comes in at 9 p.m. We got to be at the airport. Come on, chop, chop, the day's at hand, right? I mean, that, that, that's what it's like. It's like, all right, it's today. You know what I mean? There's no sleeping in today. There's no blowing off today. Today's the day. I mean, that, that, that's going to come for us. September 7th, today will be that. And we'll, we'll have to be about the business. We got weddings coming up in the church. You know, I think there's one coming up at the end of this week. All right, you know how weddings go, right? Lots of planning and preparing and spending and ordering and purchasing and reserving and spending and purchasing. You get that, all right? And, all right but there's going to come a day, right, when it's that day. Right? You wake up and, and it's today. Right? And, and man, I'll tell you what, I've got yelled at more on wedding day than any other day in my life. Like that, that's a, like if you're not moving, I mean, you're in trouble, right? I mean, you better be dressed. You better be there. You know, you, you better be there early. If they told you one, you better be there at 1245. The groomsmen are horrible at this. You know, they don't realize the day is at hand. They're just thinking it's a day like every other day. They're going to go out and hunt and fish and, and work on their car. And then, you know, it's 20 minutes of the way. Let's go. God. No, man, you're going to get screamed that, right? I mean, it's, it is the day and you better be there. I've done weddings recently. You can always tell when the bride is a real organized person. Like she got the whole day, wait, you know, planned out, you know, wake up 7 a.m., you know, eat a cinnamon roll, 7.15, you know, I mean, there's just a boom, 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 a whole day, you know, and I, last, one of the last ones I did, I held it up. And I said, there's no bathroom breaks in this deal. Do we, do we get a, you know, can we, when do we go? You know, we can't hold it all day. I mean, it's, it's the day is today. Okay. Paul is using that kind of imagery here. That's what, that's what he wants you to feel. He, he wants you to feel that you have been chosen and redeemed and saved by God Almighty. And man, it is no time to be snoozing your life away. That's what he's saying. Man, how, how dare you be, be, be just sleeping away when today's the day. You, you need to wake up. It's It's time. God has accomplished glorious things in you. You were dead and now you're alive. You're an enemy of God and now you're a son, an heir, a joint heir with Christ. You were separated from God and now you're adopted into his family. You're a slave and, and now you're a slave to righteousness. You're in bondage to sin and now you're dead to sin. You're in spiritual darkness and now you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And Paul is saying, all right, now let's wake up 
and live that out in view of all that's happened to us and in view of all that is coming, all right? So, so previously in Romans, he's, he's dealt a lot with, look at what Jesus has done. Look at what he's done. Remember what he's done in you. Remember that, you remember Romans 6? That, that was all about looking back and saying, I am dead to sin. I'm alive to God. I'm purchased. I'm indwelt with those people. All right, now he's saying, not only look back, but now you look at what is coming. You look at what, what is coming our way like a freight train that is unstoppable, the kingdom of God, and you wake up and live that out. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says this, The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness. The night is far gone. Okay, so night, it, it could represent two things here, all right? It does represent two things, but I guess on a big and a, and a small level. On, on a big level, what he's saying is this, this whole, this whole uh, uh, world system of living, you know, everything that you see now in Hollywood and TV and National Enquirer and all this Kardashian business, look, that's all on the way out, okay? I mean, that's, that's fading away. It's going, there's a new day dawning and the kingdom of God is gonna reign Forever and ever, all right? This little blip of eternity is about to pass off the screen and forevermore there will be the coming kingdom of Jesus. That, that's what's coming. And then on a personal level, the night represents your own living in darkness, all right? So, so the days that you lived in darkness, the days that you lived not, not, not believing that Jesus Christ was everything, the days that you lived thinking it was all about you, man, that's gone, that, that night is, is faded away. The night's far gone. The day is at hand. One, one of my favorite verses on this subject is 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, it's, a, it's a passage with lots of similar imagery. But listen, listen how Peter talks here, okay? So he says in verse 2, So as to live... I'm going to read verse 1. I don't think it's on your screen, but let me, let me start there. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Forever has suffered in the flesh, has ceased from sin... Okay, that's, we're going to talk about the flesh here in just a minute. But then verse 2, So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Okay, so the rest of your time, you're not going to live for your own selfish pleasures. You're going to live the will of God. Verse 3, The time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality and passions and drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless adultery. Again, same, same imagery as in Romans 13, the passage we just read. Okay? And did you hear what he said? The time that is past suffices. Okay, in other words, man, you, you've already lived enough of your life wasting it. Put it this way. You've already wasted enough of your life. I, I have already wasted enough of my life. That, that, that's essentially what he's saying there. The night is far gone. Man, I, I've already lived too long wasting my minutes and days on this earth. I've got one short life to live. You've got one short life to live. And you've already spent way too much time already living in the flesh. And it got you nowhere. All right? And, and so here's essentially what Paul is saying. I don't need to spend one more second of my life before Jesus comes with the kingdom in selfishness. I don't, need, I don't need to live one more second pouting over something. Not, not one second. I don't need to spend one more minute of my life before Jesus comes being bitter and unforgiving. Listen, we've already had enough of that, all right? You, 
You've already spent days doing that. You've already wasted weeks doing that. You've, al- you've already spent time where you could have been investing in your kids and in your wife or your husband or your neighbor and you, you weren't because you were pouting away in selfishness or you were angry and bitter and holding the grudge and holding back. You've already spent too much time doing that. Like, like we all already did it. It was too much time. We wasted days. We wasted opportunities. That's enough. That's what, Paul's, that's what Peter says. Man, the time is in the flesh, it, it's, it's sufficient. We don't need to spend one more day, one more second in lust. We don't need to spend one more minute in boastful priding. We don't need to spend another second complaining or grumbling about what isn't right in these few moments before Jesus comes back and ushers us into an unimaginable glory. The night's far gone. That's what he's saying. Man, the, night, the night's passed away. The sun of Jesus' kingdom is rising in the east, and, and, and we're done. We're done with that other life. Enough. It never did any good. It never brought you joy. You know, we think of ourselves as a real practical people. We're not real practical. Have you ever thought about that? Like, like, like how many of you can, can remember whole days you spent in bitterness and unforgiveness, you know, and you wasted the whole day, you wasted the whole time? I know people that have gone on vacation and it was horrific because, because they were bitter or they got something, you know, uh, under their, a uh, burr under their saddle right away and they blew the whole deal, you know? We, it never did us any good. It never brought us joy. It never blessed anyone. It, it, it never honored the God who loved us and bought us and forgave us and will soon glorify us. And so Christ is coming on the horizon. We've not much time left. Paul is saying, the day's here. You know, imagine if I told you that a plane would soon come. A plane is on its way. It's on its way, okay? We don't know where it's come from, but it's on its way. And it's going to pick up you and your family. And it's going to take you to your own private island with servants and butlers and uh, all, the, all the cash and supplies you're going to need for the rest of your life. And you're going to live in this luxurious resort being taken care of for the rest of your life. The plane's on the way. And, and here's $100 to take care of you until the plane arrives. Okay? Now, if you were to take that $100 and, and run directly down to United and spend the whole lot of it in those uh, little machines out in the foyer there, you know, I mean, you, you come away with, you know, 62 tattoos and, uh, you know, 40 rubber balls, you know, and you got a trash sack full of all your junk, all right, and, and you're carrying that back waiting for the plane, I'd say you're a fool. I mean, honestly, that's what I'd say. I mean, you're getting ready to go to a luxurious resort where you have all your needs taken care of, and, and you got $100 that you can invest you know for however long till the plane gets here to take care of your family and you and and you went to united and bought tattoos really you know fake ones even okay now if we if we use time as our currency here in that illustration then then what 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 paul is telling us is man the, the plane's on the way you know the kingdom is coming you're, you're going to be ushered into an unimaginable glory and you you've got this economy of this much time what are you gonna spend it on man if if you're like i'm gonna blow a day or two pouting over i didn't get the promotion at work or i'm gonna i'm gonna spend a couple days just being selfish and kick back not investing any because i deserve it that's what you're gonna spend your final minutes before Christ comes back in glory? The night's far gone. 
Christ is coming back. Are you convinced of that? I mean, that, that's the, the whole press of this passage. The day's at hand. You know, he's coming. Wake from sleep. Salvation's nearer. All right, are, are you convinced that Christ is coming? I, I can't believe that you would not be if you're a believer here today because to me it's inconceivable to think that that God, the God of eternity would step out of the heavens into human flesh. He would live in poverty and obscurity. He would raise the dead and cleanse the leper and heal the paralytic and give sight to the blind and show people the character and heart of God. And then that God-man would allow wicked men to crucify him that he might take upon himself the filth of humanity, that he might pay for your sins, and then he would rise from the dead on the third day and ascend into heaven and send his Holy Spirit to indwell believers and empower them to live the Christian life. If all of those things happened, and I believe they did, why would he not come back? If, if he's going to... If he's going to step out of the glories of heaven and to be a baby born in a barn in Bethlehem to teenage parents, he's going to do that. He's going to come back in glory. If, if he came the first time, he will come the second time to reign for the kingdom. If he suffered the cross, he's going to come on the white horse for glory. And so... How can that not be real to us? It ought to be real to us. So verse 12, verse 12. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness. Throw them off. That, 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 that's a phrase that means throw it off, throw it off. And then you're to put on the armor of light. Now we're gonna see this imagery several times here. We're gonna, we're gonna look at it in Ephesians and Colossians. It's all throughout the Bible. It, it's imagery that describes sanctification, all right? So this, this is your sanctification. So the urgency, the thing that you need to wake up to today is throwing off all this junk that never satisfied, that never did you any good, that never helped anybody, throwing it off and then putting on, okay, Christ. Or here in verse 12, he says, the armor of light, all right? Very similar to Ephesians 6. And, and, and I guess what I like about this, and I'll just mention this, and then we'll, then we'll get down to the, the big stuff here. But when he says, cast off the works of darkness, and put on the armor of light, you're, you're waking up to a battle. I mean, that's what a lot of people are asleep to, isn't it? A lot of people are, are asleep to the fact that there's a war raging for your children. There's a war raging for your neighbor. I mean, that's happening. And you, you can snooze away in the recliner living in your past sins that Christ already died for. Or you can wake up and realize, man, there's a lot at stake right now. You got to wake up, put on the armor. Why do you put on armor? You put on armor to fight, right? You put on armor because you're in a conflict. You wake up and hear the bombshells of Satan's lies shaking the foundation of, of our family. Wake up with the bullets of temptation whizzing by our ears. Wake up to the reality that we're engaged in a cosmic conflict with eternal ramifications. And we gotta, we gotta advance the gospel. We gotta stand firm in this battle. Because the time is short. You know, the Bible consistently teaches that when we are looking for his coming, when we believe the truths that Christ's return is imminent, there will be a, there'll be a change in our life. See, I, I think it's not very real to most of us. 
at least all the time. Because if it was real, I mean, I mean, consistently the Bible says when it's real, when, 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 when you are certain. I mean, all those parables that Jesus told, uh, parable of the talents, parable of the minas, right? I mean, it was all like, man, the master's gone away. He's coming back. The guys that really embraced, he's coming back. What were they doing? Man, they were at work, right? They were busting it out. Because a conviction that Jesus is not lying when he says, I'm coming soon. Results in a changed life. Now, why? Well, you know, first of all, first we, we might think it's just because, oh, no, dad's coming home. We better get the chores done. You know, I mean, you've had that, right? Like you've been, you know, mom and dad went away for the weekend. This ever happened to you? It's happened to us all the time, you know, and you blew off everything, you know, until like, hey, mom and dad, they're supposed to be home in an hour, you know, and then it's like this frantic, you know, fury of activity to try to, you know, get ready. All right. You know what? There's probably a little bit of that, actually. I mean, I mean, there, it is a heavy thing for me to realize I'm going to give an account for my life. You're going to give an account for your life. Did, and, and not, did you live it, did you live your dream? Okay, you watch too many Hollywood movies, you, you think this is true. You know, I live my dream. What the heck does that even mean? What, what it could mean is I was as selfish as I could be, you know. I, I, I did whatever I wanted, and I pursued that real hard. Is that the way you're going to face Jesus? Or did you, did you do the will of God? All right, so, so there, there's no with that. Let me tell you the bigger thing, okay? The bigger thing is this. When, when, you, when you know who Jesus is, all right? So if you're here today and you really believe that Jesus is everything the Bible says he is, he, he is truth, he is power, he is love, he is the bread of life, he's the fountain of living waters, he's the resurrection and the life, he's the light of the world, he's true wisdom, Proverbs says, nothing you desire could even compare to him. When you believe that's who's coming, when you believe Psalm 1611 is right, that in his presence, to be by Jesus, to be with Jesus, is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. When you believe that, you, you want him to come, right? And not only do you want him to come, but man, you, you want to be like him. You, you long to be like him and to be with him and to know him. You have this eager expectation to be with Christ. That's the way it is when you're excited about something, isn't it? Him and I, we had our 25th anniversary this last week, but we have a 25th anniversary trip, hopefully, if all the stars align, coming up in September, all right? And so I got, we got a place picked out, and uh, I'm excited about it. And um, so you know what I'm doing. You know what I've been doing, actually, for the last two months, probably, is whenever I get a little free time at night, I am researching that place, right? And I'm, I'm researching. I want to know everything I can about that place. I want to know, you know, what's the fun thing to do there? Where are the best canyons? And where's the best hikes? And where's the best places to put your tent? You know, and where's the best views and, and you know, where's, what equipment do we need? And I'm already going through our equipment and calling out and for, for anniversary. You know, this is how romantic I am. I bought Emma all, all this camping type stuff for, for her for the trip. You know, anything she might need, you know. I got her a battery pack that you can charge your phone three times full charge out in the wilderness, you know. So we don't even need to find electricity. We got it right there, you know, in our hands. And, and so, but I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm planning all this. Why? I'm excited about it. Now, if you're excited at the prospect of Jesus coming back, which is literally a million times better than any lake trip, 
any hiking trip, it's about a billion times better than Branson, all right? So it's a million times better than, no. There's no limit there, okay? But what I'm saying is, I mean, it, it, fullness of joy. All the joy you, you can ever fill up to. That's what Psalm 1611 is. In his presence, fullness of joy. So, so you can't hold any more joy. That, that, that is, that, that, that's literally what that means. Like, like all the capacity you have to feel and experience joy, that's what it is to be in Jesus' presence. And so he's coming back. So what, what ought I be doing? Well, I want to know about him. I want to know him now. I want to I want Jesus. I want to learn about him. I want to study him. I want to hear his promises. I want to be obedient to him. I want to get in line with him. I want to be like him. And that process is called sanctification. Okay, sanctification is a big word that simply means becoming like Christ, becoming holy, to sanctify, to become holy. And, And so the way I describe it is being less and less like me and more and more like Jesus. And so so the big push here is, verse 12, the night is far gone, the day's at hand, let's cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light. And then verse 13, here's things we're gonna cast off. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Okay, your people of the day, your people of the coming kingdom, the day's here. And so now there's an appropriateness of the day, right? And so, so the groom that is getting married and he knows that's today. And he goes out all morning with his buddies and drinks until he's smashing drunk as he comes down the aisle. That lady made a poor choice, okay? That, he, he doesn't understand the day. Okay, so in the, in the same way, it says, let us walk properly as in the daytime. That, we're people of the day. What's that mean? Verse 13. Let's walk properly in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness. Okay, those are two words that basically mean unrestrained indulgence. The, the word orgies is unrestrained indulgence and usually sexuality, but it could be other things, but it's basically just glutting yourself, okay? It, it's actually what the world advertises, okay? Be unrestrained in gratifying your every sinful desire, okay? Drunkenness. Drunkenness is the opposite of being alert, Okay, drunkenness, you're going to find in the Bible, is the opposite of, in fact, when we go to Ephesians 4, 5, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't think this is in the scriptures, Brian. I just thought of this, and so I'm going to say it. Uh, verse 14 of Ephesians 5 says, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Okay, so the same picture of waking up, wake up, okay? And then it talks about, be careful how you walk. Make the most use of time. The days are evil. Same imagery, okay? And then it says, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit. I mean, the, this imagery is all through the Scriptures. Drunkenness is the opposite of being alert. It's the opposite of being ready. It's the opposite of disciplining yourself for godliness. It doesn't lead to, to restraining the flesh, but to unbridled passion. Okay, then the next two words. Sexual morality and sensuality. They're words. I don't have to describe that. It's, it's any kind of sexual relationship outside of the marriage covenant. And, and what is that all about? That's all about, basically, sexual morality is this. God, I don't care what you say. I don't trust you. I don't think you're right. I'm going to do what I want to do. I, I have a desire, and I'm going to gratify it. Even if you say it's destructive, even if you say it's sin, even if you say I shouldn't, I don't care what you say. My desires come first. That, that's essentially what sexual morality is. Next two words. 
quarreling and jealousy. Okay, this is rivalry, strife, bickering, petty disagreements. Okay, zealously wanting position, glory your own way. Essentially, that, that's what that is as well. What, what, is, what is quarreling and jealousy and, and jockeying? What, what's all that about? What all that's about is I want my way. I, I will not be deprived of my way. And if you stand in the way of my way, you and me are going to have words. And so all, all of these basically picture the person who is all out in living for their own passions. Okay, now, verse 14. This is the best verse of the whole thing, okay? Ready? But put on. Okay, here's what you're to do in sanctification. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You're going to hear this over and over in the Scriptures. It's in Galatians. It's in Ephesians. It's basically put on this new man. Put on Christ. Put on the characteristics of Jesus. Put on his grace. Put on his mercy. Put on his forgiveness. Put on his righteousness. Put on his wisdom. Put on his truth. Put on his love. Okay? Put on Jesus. Get close to Jesus. Know Jesus. Study Jesus. Experience Jesus. Call out to Jesus. Trust Jesus. Honor Jesus. Revolve your life around Christ. Okay? That is the process of sanctification. All right, and then, and then this phrase, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now, what is the flesh? We've been talking about it, but I don't think I've defined it yet. It is your unredeemed humanness that resides in your physical body that is inclined towards sin, right? So whenever a person gets saved, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of them. They're, they're, they're transformed. They're changed. They have this convictor, this truth speaker, this power inside of them, but, but we're still in our old unredeemed humanness, right? So our minds are broken, our brains are broken, our, our, our hands are broken, our, our flesh is broken, our desires are broken, okay? All, all the, the it's, it's, it's broken, okay? So we live in this flesh, and, and, and Paul is saying, make no provision for the flesh. Now, the word provision, fascinating word, okay? The word provision means thoughtful planning to meet a need. Did you hear that? Thoughtful planning to meet a need. So in other words, don't give any thought, don't give time, don't give any planning to meeting the needs of the desires of your flesh. Okay, hang with me here, okay? This is the best part, all right? So if you've already given it all you got, can you give it a little more? Get that Olympic spirit, okay? Don't, don't miss this, okay? So, so James 1.14 tells us that, that we are... We are we, we are tempted by our own desires. Let me read it. James 1, 14. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Okay? So where's temptation come from? Your own broken desires. In fact, Ephesians 4, 22 tells us that, that we are tempted by deceitful desires. It says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. What's a deceitful desire? It's a desire that lies. Okay? And, and so here's what happens. Are you ready? A sinful, deceitful desire is conceived in our minds. It's a lie, okay? It's a lie about what satisfies. It's a lie about what we deserve. It's a lie about what we need. It's a lie about what's good for us. It's a lie about what would bring happiness. It's a lie about God. It's a lie about his character. It's a lie about his goodness. It's a lie about others, about ourselves, about our own glory versus God's glory. It is a lie, right? But there's all kinds of them out there. You, you've, you've heard them in your head, haven't you? Well, you don't deserve to be treated that way. You go give them a piece of your mind. What is that? It's a deceitful desire, right? 
as if that's going to make it all better, right? Go give them a piece of your mind and, wow, things will really be great in your life. This was what will bring happiness. That's a lie. Okay, so you have this lie. And now, now look at what Paul's saying to do, okay? Right, do you see it? Make no provision. What was provision? Thoughtful planning, right? Thoughtful planning to meet a need. So don't make any, when that lie comes into your head, do not entertain it. That's what Paul's saying. This, this is a speed game, okay? How many of you are good at speed games, right? Like spoons and uh, the, the kids at Falls Creek. Avery, man, she's there the whole time. She's a gamer. You know, they're at the day, and they're, it's all speed games. It's spoons. And what are some other ones, Avery, that you guys play? Um, what was the speed? Oh, it's called speed. So there you go. It's called speed, all right, right? Yeah, someone said nerds. All right. so it's, it's all those. Is it fast, fast? I'm terrible at them, right? I, I mean, I am. I, like, try to play, but, like, they're all, like, done, and I'm looking at what I have, you know, in my hand, and... This, this, this whole temptation deal, it's, it's a speed game, okay? So when that, when that deceitful desire gets in your head, what, what do you got to do? You, you got to immediately not give it room, okay? So if, if you invite it in, so it comes in, right? Deceitful desire. Hey, you ought not take that. You ought to do this. And you go ahead and invite it in, and you give it a room to stay in your mind, and you give it the Wi-Fi code, ask it if it needs some tea and maybe a sandwich or something, and you sit down with it, and you begin to hear it out, you know? You begin to, to explore how, how this might work out. Listen, you're done for, right? Usually, victory or defeat are already determined by this point. And Paul is saying, make no provision for the flesh. If you mull it around, if you imagine how it will sat, I mean, this is how dangerous this is. This is where people literally ruin their lives because they, they were far from Jesus and here comes this thought, this opportunity. And they, and they begin to mull. They, in the beginning, they never think they will do it. But then they begin to entertain it. They give, it, they give it a place in their mind. They, they mull it around. They think about how it might satisfy, how it might bring glory or pleasure or satisfaction. They think about how they really deserve it. And then, then it gets really crafty. Then they start thinking about how because of their particular situation, I hear this on a weekly basis. Well, because of my situation, because of what I've been through, because of what I have to deal with, because of how long hours I work, because of my spouse is this way, or my kids are that way, or because of, it begins to justify how it's okay because of my particular situation. What are you doing? You're making provision for the flesh. You're feeding it. You guys remember the great illustration of the black dog and the white dog? Everybody's got inside, every Christian if you're, if you're not a Christian, you just got the black dog. If you're a Christian, you have a black dog and a white dog, okay? And they are at odds with one another. This, this is actually backed up in Galatians 5, where it says the flesh and the spirit are at odds with one another, right? They're constantly crashing heads. What, what Jesus wants for you and what your flesh wants for you, they are constantly battling, okay? So how do you know which dog is going to win? Well, which one do you feed? Which one do you feed? Which one, which one do you pet and give time to? Don't feed the flesh. The more you feed it, the stronger it gets. The more time you give it in your mind, the more compelling and convincing it seems. The more you let it roam the halls of your mind, the harder it is to ever get it out. Okay? 
but do make provision for Jesus. Okay, so put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So do make provision for him. So think of it backwards here. Do set your mind on Christ. Do meditate on his word. Do roll around the truths of the scriptures again and again in your mind. Man, who was it? Somebody, I read this week. I can't remember who it was. C.S. Lewis. Uh, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, he, he, it was said of him that, that he started every day. He started every day by, by thinking about heaven for 20 minutes. Isn't that awesome? He started every day by just, just dreaming about what the scripture says in the Bible about heaven for 20 minutes. Man, how would that change your life? Okay, set your mind on Christ. Roll around his truth in your head again and again. Remember when in, in the Bible where it says meditate upon the word of the Lord? Uh, Psalm 1, blesses the man who, who meditates upon his word day and night. Okay, that's a guy who's making provision for Christ. He's strategizing, how do I please him? How do I be effective for the kingdom? He's recalling to his mind how, how, how Jesus will be faithful, how Jesus will do what he promised. He's singing about Christ. He's praising Christ. He's praying to Christ. He's telling, telling Christ his burdens, his desires, his struggles, his hopes. He's telling other people about Jesus. Okay, put on Christ. That is how we're sanctified, by putting on Jesus. Okay. Now, just to show you how important this is, and then we're done. Okay, I know we're about out of time, but I, I want to show you this. Just to show you how, how important this is, I want to show you place after place where this exact instruction is given in the scripture, okay? So we just looked at it in Romans, all right? Now, Ephesians 4, okay, are you ready? So, verse 22, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Verse 24, put on the new self, created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. How does this happen? Look at at what the meat is in the middle of the sandwich. Verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. If you don't have your Bibles open, that may not be clear to you. But verse 22 said, put off the old man. Verse 24, right? Yeah. Four said, put on the new man. Right tucked in the middle is what? Be made new by the spirit of your minds. It's right here. It happens up here. Let me show you again. Colossians. Colossians 3, 9, and 10. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. Okay? Cast off your old self with its practices. Verse 10. And you've put on the new self which is being renewed, made new, in knowledge after the image of its creator. It's being made like its creator through knowledge. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. Be captivated by Christ. Be consumed by Christ. Be caught up with Christ. I mean, it's really that simple. It's that simple, but why, why, why we got such a hard time with it, folks? You know, as you, as you look at what gets time in your mind, okay? What gets time? So if you, if you charted that, you know, you had a log, you're able to go back and, uh, and look, you know, like a computer. How much time did you spend on this, thinking about this? How much time did you spend thinking about You know, where, how, how much time did you spend putting on the Lord Jesus Christ? And then I, I wonder what that, what would that bitterness category look like? How big, how big of the pie would that be? Wrongs done to me. How, how much would the, the pride category be? I'm not getting what I deserve. I'm not being puffed up by others like I should be. You know, I wonder if sometimes if we looked at that pie, we'd be like, well, man, no, no wonder I'm not 
becoming like Jesus. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Day's at hand. He's coming. Let's pray. Father, help us to see the imminent return of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we know it's coming. It's on the way. Father, enable us to be people of the day. That that is this day. God, I pray that you would enable us not to make any provision for the flesh. God, help us to starve it. God, help us to not, not give it even a moment in our minds, but to put on Christ. Your character, Jesus, your, your goodness, your faithfulness, your word, your truth, your, your promises, your stories, your glorious deeds. God, fill our hearts and our minds with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together. Singing is the way we do this, by the way. It's